Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 1, 1 through 17, called The Gracious Credentials of the King. And so there's a little question among scholars about the timing of Rahab to Boaz. Just something to remember that Matthew's genealogy is selective. There are some gaps in it, and this is typical of genealogies. You might move, for example, from a great-grandfather to a uh, great-grandson without the middle gaps being filled in. Many genealogies are selective. They're not detailing every single generation, and there's reasons for that. Maybe that's what's going on with Rahab, because there seems to be about a century gap to make it make sense that Boaz comes from her. Boaz is the famous man in the book of Ruth, who was known as the kinsman redeemer. And you remember, Naomi and Ruth came back to Bethlehem Their life was a disaster. And they had nothing. They had lost everything. And it was Boaz who ultimately steps in and redeems them, redeems everything really uh, to bring these ladies back to where they needed to be. And a child was born uh, through Ruth. And his name was Obed. And to Obed was born Jesse. This is where Matthew is taking us because Jesse, verse 6, was the father of David. And very important for you to mark that David is called David the king because what Matthew is trying to establish is the kingship and the credentials of Jesus Christ. And to David was born Solomon. Here's the third um, mention of a woman. Uh, Some believe that Bathsheba was a Gentile. Others say, no, she was Jewish, but she married a Hittite, which made her a Gentile by, you could say, by marriage or legally. And so David was the king, and he had a son named Solomon through a wife. Uh, Her name is Bathsheba. Her husband is mentioned here, Uriah. And you guys know this sordid story as well, don't you? David's up on the rooftop one day when kings should have been to war, and he's looking... And there she is, bathing, and he calls for her. He is intimate with her, and a child is produced. And Bathsheba comes to David and says, I'm pregnant. And David goes and gets Uriah off the battlefield. He's been battling for David and gets him home and tries to get him to sleep with his wife, but he's got too much honor with his comrades on the battlefield. He tries to get him drunk one night to sleep with his wife. He still won't do it. And then he sends his death notice with him, put him at the front of the battle when it gets hot and heavy and back off so that he may die. And Uriah the Hittite dies. David is a murderer. And David thinks he's done a good job covering it up and now he's going to marry Bathsheba. Nobody will know that the child is from adultery. There's only one problem. Someone did know. It was God. And God sent Nathan the prophet 
And Nathan the prophet went to David and told him a story. And the story was about two neighbors and a ewe lamb. And this rich guy had everything. And he took the one little pet of the poor family and killed it and roasted it for his friends. And David was irate. How could this be? That man should die. And Nathan famously said, you are that man. David was broken. Psalm 51 other places, you watch David repent and that child dies. And David says, he can't come to me, but one day I will go to him. And then he lay with Bathsheba after all the dust settles and Solomon was born. Solomon's name means peaceful. And Solomon also ruled under a united monarchy with his wisdom known worldwide. But Solomon also blew it, right? He had all these women in his life. His heart turned away from God. You see, do you see what Matthew's doing? We need a better king. We need a king who won't do all these shenanigans. We need a king who the government will rest on his shoulders and he will actually lead the way things need to be led. We need a different leader. We need a different king. Amen? Amen? I mean, look around the world. Look at leadership, how it has failed us through the centuries. It doesn't matter who it is. Everyone who's ever led, who's human, has feet of clay. Some have been better than others, but we all know. We all know that people have gotten power and power has corrupted them, but not this one. He will rule and reign in righteousness. He's the king we need. David couldn't do it. Solomon couldn't do it. As glorious as their rules were. And so you have the mention of these ladies. Tamar, verse 3. Rahab, verse 5. Ruth, verse 5. Bathsheba, not named here, but implied. Verse 6. Mary, who was an unexpected vehicle through whom the Messiah would come. She being the mother of the Messiah. Ruth was a Moabitess. Um, Only by God's grace could she be in the genealogy of Jesus. So many things foreshadowing this great kinsman redeemer. That's the first section of the genealogy. The second one is in verses 6b through 11. This will be quick. These are kings from Judah. Notice, pick it up at verse 7. To Solomon was born Rehoboam. To Rehoboam, Abijah. To Abijah, Asa. To Asa was born Jehoshaphat. To Jehoshaphat, Joram. To Joram, Uzziah. To Uzziah was born Jotham. To Jotham, Ahaz. To Ahaz, Hezekiah. To Hezekiah was born Manasseh. To Manasseh, Ammon. To Ammon, Josiah. Hezekiah was a good king. Josiah was a good king. There are a few that were good. Asa, Jehoshaphat. But that's about it. Some of them were moderate. Most of them, more than half of the kings of Judah were evil. And to Josiah was born Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. I'm going to show you something. Skip ahead to verse 17. You can see a summary uh, section. So all the generations... The first one is from Abraham to David, are 14. 
generations from David to the deportation of Babylon. This is the structure of the genealogy, 14 generations. From the deportation to Babylon to the Messiah, 14 generations, 14, 14, 14. Now, when scholars look at the genealogy with a critical eye, they say, well, there's not really 14, 14, 14. What's going on here? Some believe that they took the, Matthew took the Hebrew value. There's a number value to every Hebrew letter of David's name, which equals 14, and used it as a device in that way. Some believe that he used a memory tool, condensing it to 14s, to help Jews remember it or anybody who would be a student of the Bible. Do you know that when someone has a, a young man has a bar mitzvah, if you've ever been to one, he becomes responsible for himself, a son under the law, if you will. That's what bar mitzvah means. And he has to recite large portions of scripture at his bar mitzvah. The Jews are very serious about uh, remembering scripture. We should be a little bit more serious about it. Amen. Because your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. So maybe a memory tool, but think of this. Three fourteens is six sevens. Seven in the Bible is very significant. So think about it this way. You have six sevens making up three fourteens. You have a prophecy in Daniel 9 about the 70 weeks, remember? If you think about six sevens, you, that takes you all the way to the Messiah with a final seven missing, because seven sevens makes it complete. And it may be that Matthew's getting at, from the time of the Messiah, there'll be one final seven, where all of this uh, will be fulfilled. It's a possibility. We don't, we don't have to be dogmatic on it. Just one thing to point out about Jeconiah, who became a deported king, deported to Babylon because of their sin in Judah. There was a curse pronounced on the line of Jeconiah. In fact, the Bible says no man of his descendants will prosper sitting on the throne of David or ruling again in in Judah, uh, Jeremiah 22, 28 through 30. A curse on the line of Jeconiah would have precluded Jesus' right to be the king. But there's a way that we are able to escape that. You know how? Jesus does not come from the literal line of Joseph. Joseph is only his legal father. Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the curse does not apply to Jesus. And that's the way we resolve the Jeconiah complex, which you may have run into before. In verse 12, you have, after the deportation to Babylon, seven years in Babylonian captivity to Jeconiah, was born Shealtiel, and then you have the mention of Zerubbabel. So Zerubbabel will be a familiar name. These other ones, really not. But the final section taking us to the post-captivity times of Ezra and Nehemiah. What, what happened there? 70 years of Babylonian captivity. And they were released by King Cyrus to go back to the land and the land was in ruins. Temple was destroyed. Do you know how much of the Jewish population returned to Jerusalem once they were free to go? 2%. Led by Zerubbabel, Ezra, and Nehemiah. And so they go back and they attempt to rebuild the city with much opposition and the temple. And Zerubbabel was called the Prince of Judah 
Ezra 1.8. And he was a type of leader. But, but the monarchy really ended at the captivity. There was really no further uh, throne in Judah. It was, it was all done. Israel destroyed the last king uh, in captivity. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Would you please consider supporting Walk in Truth being on this radio station and podcast for at least $5 a month? As a thank you, we'll send you more content from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team through our new Walk in Truth app. You will have quick access to our daily episodes. You can watch videos of Pastor Michael's most recent Sunday sermons and access to our bonus podcast and video series, A Step Closer. All this and more is available to you on our new Walk in Truth app as a thank you for your financial gift. Please become a financial partner of at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Thank you to all our Walk in Truth financial partners. And be sure to check out our Walk in Truth app, available in your app store. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. And he was a type of leader, but, but the monarchy really ended at the captivity. There was really no further uh, throne in Judah. It was, it was all done. Israel destroyed the last king uh, in captivity. Zerubbabel was born, Abihud, verse 13, to Abihud Eliakim, to Eliakim Azor. To Azor was born Zadok, to Zadok Akim, to Akim Eliud, Eliud. To Eliud was born Eleazar. To Eleazar, Matan, and to Matan, Jacob. And this is critical because this Jacob is later, and this Jacob was born, to him was born Joseph. What is he called in your Bible? He's the husband of Mary. He's not the father, biological father of Jesus. Jesus is virgin born, which is evidence that he is the Messiah and that he's divine. Joseph is the husband of Mary. When people were asking questions about Jesus' origin, Pilate said, where are you from? Uh, The Magi said, where is he who's born king of the Jews? We've come to worship him. People said in his earthly ministry, isn't that Joseph's son? And isn't his mother Mary with us and his siblings? Who is this guy that he's doing these miracles and speaking this way? There were questions about Jesus, just like today on Time Magazine or whatever will come out at Christmas time. Who is Jesus? The historical Jesus, you know, all this stuff. Well, look no farther than your Bible. And we find out who he is. He's the virgin-born Emmanuel, Savior, King, God. And Joseph is highlighted in Matthew and gets very little in Luke. Mary's the focus in Luke. That's why many believe that you got Joseph's genealogy and Mary's in Luke. We don't have to be dogmatic on that, but here's the point. We don't know a whole lot about Joseph. We conclude that Joseph was older than Mary and somewhere along the line, maybe fairly early in Jesus' life after he was 12, because we have a record of them looking for him when he was 12. Joseph died. We don't know what happened. But when Jesus shows up and families mentioned from that point forward, no mention of Joseph. And we have to conclude that he probably passed away fairly young. 
He was the husband of Mary, but Joseph was a righteous man, and we'll learn more about him next time. By whom, see, Jesus came through Mary of the Holy Spirit, was born Jesus, and there you have it. He's the king. Jesus is the Christ. Three fourteens chronicling the family tree of the Messiah coming on a rescue mission. Therefore, the summary, all the generations from Abraham to David are 14. From David to the deportation to Babylon, 14. From the deportation to Babylon to the time of the Christ or the Messiah, 14. Father, thank you that the perfect one came. We can't help but think of sevens here, but that really is secondary to the fact that we have the Savior, the King, who is God. Scholars have called this the hypostatic union. Jesus, fully God and fully man. The King of heaven, the King of kings and Lord of lords came on a rescue mission. And when the songs of Christmas go up, whether they're silent night or hark the herald angels sing or what child is this or whatever they may be. Christmas is the center of history. Christmas means the king came. And Father, it was good enough for the angels to celebrate it, good enough for the Bible to recount it, and good enough for us to celebrate it. Now, we all know the pagan traditions that have moved into the holiday, Lord, but we want to fall in love with the king afresh. We want to realize that we are citizens of the kingdom by the blood of the Messiah. The king spilled his blood on that terrible cross to bring us into the kingdom. The dowry for the bride or the queen in this setting was the precious blood of Christ. Would you keep your head and heart bowed? We're going to come to his table in a moment, but before we do that, do you know him as your king? Yes, salvation is by grace through faith. It's paid for. But have you made Jesus your king so that his rule is over your life? His kingdom is what you pray, pursue, and preach. His kingdom is your priority. Oh, Father, even as I say those words, I look at my own life and know that I have work to do to submit to your lordship, to bow to my king. But all of us collectively, I think I speak for all of us, we want to say thank you. Thank you for coming to rescue us, to live among us, to be born in a nowhere town to a really unknown girl and her husband. But he wasn't the father. You did a supernatural work through Mary, chronicled it in scripture for us, and gave us your Holy Spirit, guaranteeing our future redemption. Do you know Christ? What he asks of you is to turn from your sin, turn from the other kings in your life, in quotes, and make him your king. Ask him to be both Savior and Lord of your life. You might ask, how do I do it? Simply ask him. 
Say, Jesus, I believe that you are the king. The God-man come from heaven. Thank you for dying on that terrible cross. You grew up to be that man. You shed your blood for me. Thank you, Lord, for purchasing my redemption. Forgive me of my sin. This genealogy gives me hope. If you use these people, you can forgive me. Thank you, Lord. Thank him for his grace. If you're a believer, thank him for how gracious he's been to you. Lord, for this precious congregation, whether there's some prodigals here or... I know for many of the saints here, they are fighting the good fight, trying to build the kingdom. Would you strengthen them and grant them refreshment and peace, hope? Thank you, Father, for all the ways that this congregation is impacting this community and beyond. And we just want to give you praise and thanks. In the King, Christ's name we pray, all God's people said. You've been listening to The Gracious Credentials of the King, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. And that was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew chapter 1, 1 through 17. If you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. We would also love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with your questions you may have from his teachings today, or maybe you have a question about something else, or need encouragement, or prayer. Maybe you'd like to share how Pastor Michael's teachings have affected you. You can email Pastor Michael at contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. And thanks for reaching out. You can also find our mailing address on walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. One thing that we've mentioned in the title of this opening chapter of Matthew is the gracious keyword, gracious credentials of the king. Because within the king's genealogy are some really surprising people. And we've tried to highlight some women that are in there that are Gentile women, like Rahab the harlot, for example, is one, uh, you know, maybe surprising individual that you see in the genealogy of the king. But we've said in this message that, of course, there's going to be surprising names in the genealogy because if you study the family of Israel, the patriarchal family, moving down from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob and then the 12 sons, well, there's some ugly stuff, you know, in the history of that family. Just read through the book of Genesis. And it's amazing. But it's it's a reminder that we need grace. And God chose Israel to be a light to the nations, to bring forth the Messiah. He made a covenant with them. He elected them to bring forth the ultimate elect one, Jesus, that we might be found in him, Jew and Gentile, right? So what a beautiful gospel we share. And the bottom line is that the, the gracious credentials of the king are gracious. He he has brought you and me into the kingdom by his grace. Salvation is by grace through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's not by works. It's the work of God, but we receive it by faith. Let me give you an analogy. If I threw a life preserver to you and you were fighting the waves and you had fallen off the side of a ship and I threw you a life preserver, your job is to grab it. The life preserver can save you. You grab it in this analogy, by faith. That's what the Lord's going to call you to do. Once you're on board the ship, 
Well, then you do what you do out of gratitude. Uh, Our life is a thank you note to God. We're so grateful for his salvation that we proclaim it from the housetops or here from the decks of the ship, if you know what I'm saying. Our next 633 event is called The Deconstruction of Christianity with very special guest speaker, Tim Barnett. Tim is an apologist with Stand to Reason. He does a great job moving across the country, U.S. and Canada, speaking to thousands each year. He's great with younger audiences like high school and young adults, but really for all ages. This is a hot topic right now in the church and in the culture, deconstructing Christianity. And Tim is going to give us clarity on the topic. It's happening October 22nd at both our morning services, 8.30 and 10.30 a.m., Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. It's right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue. To get information and driving directions, go to walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Bring out a, a group. Bring out some teens from your youth group, young adults. It's going to be a very important morning. Walkintruth.com. We'll see you here. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. We appreciate our Walk in Truth financial partners. You contribute to our ministry, broadcast, and podcast. As a thank you for your support, we've created the Walk in Truth app. you got to check it out. It's available in your app store. If you'd like to become a Walk in Truth partner, any amount is appreciated. You can now give on the Walk in Truth app or visit walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 1, 18-25, called The Miraculous Birth of the King. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.